Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. I'm hoping you're all having a wonderful holiday. I'm happy to announce that I'll be headlining at the City Winery here in New York City on December 16th at 7.30 p.m. featuring comedian Onika McLean. You've heard her on the podcast. It's going to be a great show. Go to citywinerynyc.com or marinafranklin.com for tickets. This week on Friends, it's full of comedians. Welcome back, returning friends, superstar, Zainab Johnson. Zainab is currently a series regular on Amazon's original hit series, Upload, from Greg Daniels. And Zainab stars in her first, very funny, I saw it, I recommend it. It's a five-star, one-hour comedy special, Hijabs Off. It's available now only on Prime Video. And welcome back. It's been way too long. Keith Robinson. Oh, he's a comedic sensation born and raised in Philly. He has become an enduring legend in the heart of New York City's comedy circuit. Yes, Keith is a legend, renowned for his sharp wit and uproarious humor. Robinson's career boasts a rich tapestry of accomplishments with his infectious laughter, and keen observational humor. He's a true master of the craft. He's a comics comic. And he has been a true mentor to many comedians that you know, like Wanda Sykes, Kevin Hart, Zainab Johnson, Marina Franklin. Keith Robinson's talent transcends into the world of cinema with memorable roles in the hit movies such as Trainwreck, which, yes, Marina Franklin was in, and King of Staten Island. His unique brand of comedy marked by its authenticity and it's relatable. He continues to captivate fans and cement his status as a comedic icon in New York and beyond. Please join Keith Robinson, straight from Philly, for his upcoming Netflix taping December 19th at Sony Hall. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast and Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friendslikeus. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. And now for our golden friends, you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage. We record every Monday. Go to Patreon backslash friends like us and be golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies. Get your hoodies for the holiday season. Coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops. They're all available. They're all available. Just go to marinafranklin.com. Saturdays on my YouTube channel, I go live with my wacky friend, Dave Juskow. And you want to check out this most recent live? I had my friend... Uh, He's a regular listener and favorite friend of the podcast, Paul Sullivan. He was on our live this past Saturday. Check it out. Go to my YouTube channel. We give updates to the show. We shout out fans like Paul Sullivan, who leaves us reviews. And we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by. And sometimes we offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. With friends like us, it will help you feel not so alone because more content. It's on the way. Tell a friend you know to check us out. Stay safe, wash those dirty little hands, be nice, and Black Lives Matter.
I've got Keith Robinson. He's an old veteran. Not like he did a war, but he's a comedian. He's a comics comic. That means they all love him. You should know him too, cause he's got a Netflix taping coming for you. And Zainab, she pairs well with Keith like a fine wine. And she's in Upload, and her special was five stars rated. Woohoo! Yeah! What's up? Yes, today we have two amazing comedians, and we haven't had you on, Keith, in probably about eight years for good reasons. I'm the band. Ban me. <laughs> I didn't ban you. I feel, felt like I was needed to protect my audience. The hell with your audience. <laughs> Okay. Well, Keith, we're happy to have you here because you're about to tape your Netflix special. And we're yes. really, we're excited for you. So I want to ask you, what will be different this coming uh, special? From the last one? Yes. From the back of the bus funny. Back of the bus? I didn't have a stroke. <laughs> I can move a lot better. This special, I'm more in the pocket. I got to stay right in the pocket mm-hmm. and not move around. Maybe, Keith, have, maybe, the pe- maybe, maybe the people listening don't know what in the pocket means. Maybe you got to explain what in the pocket means because that, that's like comedian jargon, right? No. <laughs> that's, that could be football jargon and everything. Like... A lot of black quarterbacks scramble. They move around in the pocket, move. The white quarterbacks, like, they stay in the pocket. Mm, gotcha. So stay still. I got to stay still and read the defense. And then throw those jokes out there. Stand in the one place. That's in the pocket. Was there something different that you learned this time around with preparing for a special, being that you you did have a stroke? Nah, not at all. You just got to have those jokes ready to go. <laughs> Shoot the jokes off. And that's it. Be honest. Mm-hmm. Be funny. And you have a special. And make sure it's special. Zaynab's is special. He did a little something different that was true to her. So, yeah. I mean, I think really in all seriousness, you learn something each time you do it. Each time you do a special, you learn something. When I did a half-hour special, I learned something. And then the hour special, I brought something different. And this special is going to be real special. (laughs) It is what it is. It's called Different Strokes. Great title. What made you come up with Different Strokes? Because I had two damn strokes. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so, Keith, how do you feel about comedy today, given that you are preparing a special while there are so many, I call them, you said this was a good way of calling it, business comedians? Yeah. I mean, it says internet has changed everything. Now, people are just looking for content. And that, as much as they gotta get as much content out as possible. Me, I can't do that, you know, because I have to have something to say. But a lot of content, content providers look at it like, hey, I just need something to keep going. I can't just yap about nothing. Go ahead, Zainab, because I saw your TikTok. I had no idea how many people were following you on TikTok until last night. And you know what? (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I did not follow you because I was so upset. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm not adding to this. I was like, whoa. I mean, it's over 500K, I believe. TikTok followers. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. It's close. And there's something going viral right now. There's something of mine going viral right now. I was trying to figure it out, which causes other things to go viral. But I um, I agree with Keith. You know, I think I think you do have a few different types of like comedians. I think that there are people who, you know, this is something that they figured out how to do by way of the Internet. And they're really just like those types of entrepreneurs. You know how like Maybe a hundred years ago, there was somebody who was like, oil is a thing. I'm going to get into oil. I can do that well. Okay, real estate is a thing. I'm going to do that and get some money in real estate and move on to the next thing. I think you have those types of people. And then you have people who, regardless of the internet, regardless of a gatekeeper, regardless of whatever, they really want to craft like good jokes. They want them to be personal and special to them and 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 really close to their brand of funny. And I think the people who are really, who I, who I am kind of loving right now are the people who are able to merge the two, like find a way to get their stuff out there. And it's, in its quality stuff. Like I even fall under the pressure Marina. You won't see it on my TikTok. I'm not dancing. I'm not doing green screen videos, like using somebody else's comp, using somebody else's content, like, oh, okay, this, this, this is a crackhead. And I'm going to just say, they be smoking crack, right? Yo, crack will get you, you know? And it's like, of course, that's going to get like a lot of views because the original video is a viral type of video, but I just post my standup right. and I just hope that people come to it, you know? And I try to post my standup in a way that, can be presented in like short form. I'm not really a short form comedian. So that's the challenge for me when it comes to the internet, taking a story that really is like my, my pleasure in watching it is the whole thing. Like this nine minute bit, but I have to figure out to give it, figure out how to cut it into 90 seconds or one minute and still not lose like, and still not trim the fat enough where it's like meaningless. You got to get capture the essence of the joke. 
Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, if I just started now, I'd probably be internet. Yes. Content. Content. So yeah. I just had a fortune or unfortunate during a while back. So I'm old school with how I do things. But I learned as I go along, you have to do some of the newer stuff too. Yeah. So you're posting? Yeah, I don't post as much because it bugs me. I hate yapping too much. But um, yeah, I'm, I post. Yeah. Yeah, I post I too post and it bugs Go ahead, Keith. Yeah. No, but it's like, you know, but you got to update all the time. I give you an example. I didn't go to the projects for a long time. But they have, you know, when I went to the projects, they have a new way of doing things, <laughs> of robbing you or whatever. So I had to update, like, what I'm doing. I can't go just walking in a, in a bad neighborhood. and got to figure things out. You always got to update yourself. How they robbing you in the projects now? Would they take your phone and and cash app themselves some money? Yeah. (laughs) What you get your cash app out? Get them a phone. (laughs) (laughs) Send that money. Unlock it. (laughs) (laughs) There are more online scams that are. Put your thumb on it, nigga. Put it on there. <laughs> you you know Keith is old. He talked about put your thumb on it. That's five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> now what it's just that? your retina. Now it's just your face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> put your put thumb on it. It's like a blackberry. Yeah, my mom still no, got the thumb. Still got- I- I didn't even know how to use it. She was like, Zainab, could you come do this to me? And I was like, what? What is happening? Why do I have to touch it? And she was like, what do you mean? I'm like, you don't have to touch the phone anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It is is a tough. I think what you said, Zainab, is really important. And and you're one of the ones that reaches back and helps, like, us older comics, thank you, by the way, for like even helping me, like telling Great me. Never, you know, never helped me. Oh, I did. She's I mentioned did. things. Yes. And I watched him use it. I watched him take my advice, Marino. Although my advice was to you, I watched Keith take my advice. He think I ain't see it, but I saw it. What? <laughs> Somebody else probably did it. No, yeah. After after I talked to you, after I said, Marina, don't matter. Cut your special up post. Now, every two days, I'm seeing back of the bus clips. I'm like, oh, somebody was listening. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. I, I still have to sit down. I've been clipping, obviously, from the club scene. I can't help it. It's like, it's one of the things I keep doing is like, I have, I get like anxiety off of not posting. And then I'll be like, oh, my God, there's so many places that I need to post because they all act so differently. So I was going to ask you, Zainab, like, what is different about TikTok than Instagram for you? TikTok (laughs) hates me. (laughs) Only right now it hates you, but it won't hate you. It it just takes a second. But um, 
Like all you got to do is get in the algorithm and then once you're in, right? But like every site, I think they like users. They like people who engage. They like you to use their platform, right? And so if you don't use their platform, they're not going to push you because they can tell you're not using their platform. It's like it's not reciprocal. They want it to be reciprocal, you know? And they're constantly changing. But I'm guessing. No, this is me. This is me like knowing like when I so on. So one, I think that TikTok and YouTube, I think you get your fastest growth. I would say these sites also, too, have like an age like they cater to a certain age. So I would tell Keith and you, Marina, I would say Facebook is probably your your um, where you should focus a lot of your energy. You know, you I mean, Instagram is really into the aesthetic what? <laughs> you already said you were old school, hold so up, you can't be offended. Hold up, <laughs> up man. You just hurt my feelings almost. I Take didn't you. tell you to go to my Take your old ass to Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> she is right. No, when when right. I post on Facebook, I get all huge. I get a lot of interaction. It's just one Wait of those things. I just feel like I will. I want to still be young again. It's like walking into the, uh, what is it? The forever young store and knowing your ass ain't supposed to be in there. Yeah. Forever 21. I'm just said, take your old asses to Facebook. Get yeah. off of TikTok. How that hurts. No, that I'm not really- saying get off of TikTok. However, I saying- do actually do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm not she saying get off, off the TikTok. I'm just saying. If you're talking about grown stuff, you got to say things that grown people want to hear. You know what I'm saying? You got to go with the grown people. It's just like, it's just like when I go play a college, like right now, right? Right now, my whole set is about all the changes that I made when I bought a house, right? That's my whole set. But when I go to a college, that set don't mean nothing to those kids. Yeah, they'll laugh. Do you know what I'm saying? But it don't mean nothing there for the most. It's like it doesn't appeal to their interest or their understanding at all. Right. And so I can go there and try and make them get it and make them know that, like, I'm them in the future sent back to I can do all of that. But for what? Or I can just play with them for an hour, collect my check and leave and go to my 30 year old audience, my, my, my 35 to 50 year old audience, my 29 to 49 year old audience. I could go to them and give them my content. So you're saying social media is ages. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's also like, you have to know what works. You just have to like, I, it is the hardest thing about age is accepting it, accepting where you are age wise. Like and a person TikTok, that stays in the club too long. TikTok is like the same thing. Like TikTok is like, unless y'all going to get together, like just one older person on TikTok ain't going to survive. You got to make it like an old comedy house. You get what I'm saying? Then you're going to go viral. They like, oh, a whole bunch of old people getting together doing comedy. Oh, yeah, we could get behind this. You get what I'm saying? But just one person just trying to come to the party, they like, no. No. <laughs> no. Zaynab is infuriating me. I didn't get on this podcast and leave with low self-esteem. <laughs> well, 
You know, I have to say, um, well, one, before I continue with you, Keith, I want to say to Zainab, your special was excellent. I absolutely enjoyed yeah. it. I thought the the way you tell a story, like you were saying, like um, chopping up your your bits is not really a true example of who, what you do um, and how you tell jokes is very unique to you. Uh, and I really applaud it. And it was so funny. It, I enjoyed it. I, I love the way it was filmed, by the way, because it tells me like, this is just something that is special. This is something that is very uh, unique to Zainab. And I felt like you had your hand at every part of it. Am I right about that? Yeah, 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 definitely. So congratulations. It was excellent. Thank you. Thank Bravo. you so much, Marina. Bravo. I, <laughs> I got to be honest. You know, I'll be listening to Friends Like Us every week. And Marina be complimenting other people that I think are terrible. So I don't even really know how to take this compliment. Because <laughs> 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 Marina is full of shit. Marina be I saying... Keith will tell you... <laughs> Believe me. You can tell from my tone when I'm serious. Though. No, you can't. I say it all. Zainab really enjoyed this one. I know I did. <laughs> I've always told you this, though, Zainab. I've told you this in person that I love the way you tell a story. You're such a great yeah, storyteller. Great storyteller. I, yeah. I, I agree with that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you. And what else, so you? Much. <laughs> <laughs> but Keith, I'm going to ask you how has how has it, um, experiencing a stroke influenced your perspective on life and comedy? Well, I mean, I, I experiencing a stroke. I mean, there's certain things that you can do that you used to do. That's that's about it. Like and, what? Um, you know, I, I tell a joke and like. That I live in the now. Never put on tomorrow what you do today. In other words, if someone you want to punch, punch him. Because you <laughs> never know when you have a stroke and you can't, can't suck the shit out of nobody no more. And that's the main thing I miss. I want to fight so bad, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I want one good fight. But that's real shit. You know, this um, UPS driver. Got my handicap. <laughs> he took my handicap spot. I said, yo, move. Yeah, beat it. Shut up. And I'm like, you mother. I, I want I said, look, I, I want to stand against the car. I need to balance myself and fight the dude. And I don't felt better. <laughs> Ain't nothing worse than you wanting to fight somebody and you got. When you want to fight somebody and you got to tell them, come here, come here. <laughs> Get over here no. so I can grab you. <laughs> I want to beat his ass so bad. But that's the main thing I, you know, this stroke is limiting me to be, I got to get a one good fight. What y'all like? Give me, let me get my shit back for one hour. And I'll <laughs> I'll fight a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people in an hour. I just want it back for a minute. I need to fight now. So I miss having that option. 
What about your perspectives on healthcare and medicine and hospitals? Has it changed? Like the care that you received from those lovely nurses. Oh, shit. No, they're not lovely. It's a very small percentage of nurses that actually do a great job. I don't know if it's the pay, the patients, or whatever, but I I got thrown out of two hospitals. They threw me out. And the last hospital, I just walked out, wheelchaired out, whatever. (laughs) But that's it. It was just so bad, you know. The treatment, it was like, because everybody well, it was around a pandemic when I had it. So maybe that was it. And all the nurses were scared of the pandemic. And um, they wouldn't let you go to the bathroom on your own. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They threw me in a stupid bedpan. I'm not sitting in no damn bedpan. I no. Take me to the bathroom, you know? But the, I think the main thing was, for that moment, losing your independence is the worst thing ever. And that gave me a peep to, wow. Because your family couldn't come see you, so you were stuck with just you and the nurses. And, you know... They're not your family. So that was the it was the worst experience ever during a pandemic. Because mm. you have nobody the back, you know, you need the backup. You need your family go, look, nurse, I'm gonna beat your ass, <laughs> you know. Oh whatever. <laughs> that's what that's what I you know. That's what I know it wouldn't be like. But I'm there by myself. I'm cursing a guy out. I called my man on the phone when I was in Philly. I said, yo, there's going to be a guy in scrubs. Man, I forget his name. I said, what? He said, what? I want you to stop the shit. I said, Keith, you want me to be a nurse? <laughs> Nigga, yeah. <laughs> Cause I hate this guy so much, man. So, I mean, I, I, I think that was my biggest problem. <laughs> Do you think like telling this, um, because I, not to tell too much about what people are going to see, but you, do you think like talking about this in your act has been helpful? This, cause it can be like, like some comedians, could be too nervous to talk about nurses. Remember, we were all applauding the nurses and everyone was celebrating the nurses, but you have the most original angle on it. Mm. You have you have such a different opinion. Um, no. Like, where does that come from that you... Okay, I have, like, a couple of questions. Like, how do you approach material like that? That's why. Like that, I, I mean, I tell the truth. And somewhere in there, I get a chance to make it funny. Because it is real annoying. The nurses annoy the shit out of me. 
for how they treated the whole. But like I said, it was during the pandemic. So, and I caught COVID in the hospital. But I didn't have one symptom, and they treated me like shit. And, you know, it was just like, wow. It's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I think a lot of people are not dealing with truths right now. And well, people, yeah. I mean, comics allowed to do. We have the autonomy to do what we what we want. Everybody don't have to tell the truth. Everybody, you know, some people, whatever. I think- exaggerate a little bit, but you know, because I I really got in a fight with a bunch. <laughs> Bunch of nurses, a bunch of nurses jumped me. They jumped me. You know what I mean? Like he want to fight, and was growling. I'm like, oh shit! I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling with nurses. I'm like, what the hell is that? You know. So, but I think they showed off more for the family who wasn't allowed to come in. I think that it's like, um, uh, I think Keith, you're like just a person who like everything you could turn everything into something so funny, you know, cause another person would be like, then, and then the nurses jumped on me, five of them. And so now I need somebody, you know, call the, the, the lawyer. What's the lawyer who be representing everybody in, uh, uh, the, the black guy. Yeah. Call, Trump. call attorney Crump, you know? Um, but but I also think, Marina, like what you're saying is like sometimes there's these like general assumptions or these general narratives. Right. Like first responders, essential workers, and we got to salute them. But it's like, no, they're not all good. It doesn't matter that they're in that position. Just like, you know, it's like, yeah, people were like, oh, the Uber driver is coming out in a blizzard. Uh, to deliver you food. That's such a privilege for you. That make it okay for him to s- steal my fries? Like, is he is he noble or not? <laughs> hilarious. It's okay. <laughs> steal my fries. <laughs> to see him pulling up to the door. <laughs> he got fries coming what up his what if he stole four fries? If he stole an unnoticeable amount, Keith, then it's fine. But if you get there and it's like, oh, there's clearly a third of my fries gone. It's like, well, you're a shitty person and you're and you're taking advantage of me of you're taking advantage of me not wanting to go out in a blizzard. Right. You know, and it's yeah. the same thing. It's like there's nobody to speak out. Because I can't say it, right? I never had to go into the hospital during COVID. I never had COVID before. So I can't really say it. It'll just seem like, oh, you just, you just, you're insensitive. You don't know. But the beauty of the unfortunate part of your situation, the beauty is you are speaking from experience. So people have no choice but to say, oh, wait a minute. We got to listen to him. This was a person who was in a hospital for a stroke during the pandemic. And this was so his experience is legitimate. Therefore, what he's saying is legitimate. So we could listen to it as much as it counters the narrative. Right. A lot of nurses came and I like, come to the show whenever. And they're like, hey, 
We know what you're talking about. You know. The ones you fought? No, not that. <laughs> you should send a special invitation to the Netflix taping to the ones you fought. You don't think? That would be brilliant. No, have they, them stand up. They <laughs> jumped me. I didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, when you get a, <laughs> we have a stroke, you get spasms in your leg. And my leg kicked up and I ended up kicking his nerve, but by mistake. Because my leg couldn't help it. He said, mm-hmm. he's fighting out. So they all, oh yeah. And they start wrestling with me. <laughs> I'm wrestling with a bunch of nurses. I'm like, this shit. One of the things that I admire about you, as hard as this is for me to say that I admire, but I do, you know, I'll say it here. I do admire that you have never played the victim. And I don't know how hard that is for you, but I do know that you're one that comes around the comedy scene. I've never heard you once ask for help, complain. You have really come back fearless and, um, funnier than ever. I I just remember all the comedians running to me and saying, oh my God, are you listening to Keith's material right now? It bugged me, but I was like, because I was like, what about mine? (laughs) But I was like, yeah, yeah, no, it's great. (laughs) But they were all saying what an amazing job you were doing. Chappelle was talking about you um, Kevin Hart always talks about how amazing your new material is. Um, your special is, you know, with Wanda, with Amy Schumer. So I, I'm just curious, like, what is that about you that you, you, w- where does that come from? And cause I see so many people and I don't blame them, but I see it's a lot of victim is, victims out there right now. And I think you kind of remind me of what it's like to move through life and challenge yourself and, and walk through life still with the shit grit and the mother wit. That's what I'm gonna call it. But what is that? What, where does that come from? Life. I mean, love life long enough. I guess maybe my mom and all of them, you know, you have a problem you, you don't complain about you solve it, and it's what it is. And the fact that nothing can stop you but you. So I never believed in any, put myself in anybody's, you know, I don't like to need anything. And now you do, and you get it, thank God. But complaining don't get it. Work does. So it's something you want to work on, you work on it. No matter what. You know, trying to get my voice back when my voice was gone, you know, I was out of comedy for a while. It's like I tried everything. I'm like, I'm having to try this. Because, you know, a comic, when your voice is gone, you know what, that's it. You know, you can't do sign language to the audience. It's like... I mean, I don't know who can, but I was like, ah, oh, man, let me try to find the thing that will work. Rather than complain, I'm like, with all this technology, you have to have something. And then I got this thing to put in my mouth and it helped me talk a little bit. 
I got my tonsils taken out. The woman who did it, like, what are you, 12 years old? What are you? Who <laughs> gets that tonsils out? <laughs> you know, in that 50s, what the hell? So, you know, but you, the lesson is they keep fighting no matter what. When it's over, it's over, you know, but you keep, keep moving. That's my attitude. Maybe that comes from church. And all that, learning to keep keeping on and stuff like that. I love that. Is that what you would like people to get from your special when they yeah. see it? Yeah. Keep moving, no matter what. You see a lot in life, but you keep moving. And it's, all, it's better that way for me. The sand wallow in your misery, it stinks. And nothing's perfect. You know, comedy is not perfect. So when I came back, I'm like, I know I hear my voice sound a little bad. So what? Let me do it anyway. They'll make out the words. The words they can't make out, eh, they'll figure out. I like a good song. It took us a while to figure out what, what the actual lyrics were on certain songs. Right? Damn, but it still sounded good. And then when you finally found out, like, oh, yeah, that's what it says. Also, you know, I think people <clears throat> like listening to you because you sound like you got a stroke. You know what I'm saying? When people when people get on stage and they like, I had a stroke, but they still seem like they ain't have a stroke. We like, oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? We don't get shit. What you talking about? But you you <laughs> you seem like you had a stroke. <laughs> so it makes this people really, one. really pay attention. The second one, it really makes people go like, oh, this is for real. This is truly like who he is, like what he's saying. This is not, this is like the truth. This is not for something. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it really does. Yeah, because when I talk about cancer now, they'd be like, move on, bitch, you over it. They, <laughs> they, they don't see nothing. They ain't seeing, they, I'm not in it. I remember when I was talking about it and I owe this to you, Keith, for telling me to talk about it while I was going through it. Like, I don't know, like, I thank you for that mentorship on that because I don't know if I would have. I think you kind of, you, you stepped up my game in doing it because I was so f in myself, but like getting on stage while I was going through treatment was, is definitely different than now All in right. the way that I perform the material too. Um, I kind of, not, I'm not going to say I kind of missed while I was in the treatment, but I could see the little bit of a lack of empathy <laughs> from the audience now as it was back then. Like, and like I say on stage, like sometimes they applaud when I mentioned that I have breast cancer. Sometimes they like, bitch, you weren't funny for like 15 minutes. So we don't really, you can throw this cancer on us if you want to, but you didn't do your job. Um, so <laughs> do you ever have that, Keith, even now? Like, do you have audiences Go ahead, say no. I was just going to say Keith's special is going to be so good. People going to be like, I got to go get a stroke. You heard me? <laughs> uh, yeah. no, no, you don't want to do that. You know, when, I, when I've had my first strokes, I remember, I was, you know, I went to Philadelphia. I went to my, I wanted to get a passport first. And um, I'm filling my passport. My vision was starting now. I'm like, oh, man, who's this? Took this, took the paperwork, went to my car, and took some um, aspirin. You know, popped two aspirin, and it cleared up a little bit. 
And then I want to, um, my sons were having a show. I wanted to look at the room, but I was barely walking up the steps. And then I'm um, getting to my giving to get in my car. My cousin Nick said, you made me having a stroke, man. I said, you punk ass. You'll read. Only reeds have strokes. Robinsons don't have strokes. Got my car, popped another, some more aspirin. Good. Drove home, took a nap, got up, went to the comedy cellar, and then it hit hard. I'm like, oh man. Then I got my car, drove home, then was driven back to the hospital. So I had a lot of, I probably wouldn't even <laughs> had, I could have gotten fixed up. I went to the hospital right away and give me something and then take everything away. So don't wait. If you got to see something wrong, if you see something, do something. You know, if something, something's going on, do it. My dumb ass, you know. That's why I laugh at it. That's why I can laugh at it. Because a lot of this is my dumbass. Mm-hmm. You know. Good lessons, yes. Yo, anything that seems a little off, don't take no chances. You yeah, know. don't wait. <clears throat> don't hesitate. Now, I <clears throat> I love everything. We're going to get into these hot topics uh, because these are some good ones that Keith and I have, we've all been talking about, actually. Uh, as a group, the three of us, I'll start with the uh, flurry of last minute claims giving a sex abuse law powerful, gives sex abuse law powerful legacy. So New York's year long look back. This is in New York window on sexual assault closed last night or I should say on the Thursday night of last week after a flurry of last minute claims against high profile figures, including the singer Axl Rose, Jamie Foxx, and the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. The law allowed adult sexual abuse survivors to sue their abusers beyond the statute of limitations for the course of one year and saw approximately 2,500 claims before it closed on that midnight that Thursday night, they were getting it in. This is the Thursday of, it was Thanksgiving. Yeah, I was looking out for myself. I'm like, oh, man. As soon as the clock struck midnight, I'm like, ah, oh, thank God. No. Well, Keith, we know you're, we know you're not like, we don't want anyone out there to think that you're a predator, but there are that, that one year is just a weird, why one year? Like that's, that's the part that I was thinking. Well, they tell everybody, get it in now and whatever. I don't know if I, if I like that. I think that's weaponizing, you know, because everybody looking I wonder, like, who all got it? Does everyone, is, is it everybody with money that got it? Well, that's what they're saying. They're saying that there is um, one, 
that it can it's profitable. The one year window tends to be driven by a plan to go after certain money in certain mm-hmm. cases. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like and that's what I that's <clears throat> what it's saying. But it's oh, but it's certain, but it's certain money. It's like it is certain money, but it's not just individuals. Really, when they say the certain money, it's like corporations. It's like when there are suits against bigger companies. But I just think in the media, they always put out the celebrity names because that's the thing. Like all of those other names, I don't even know who Axel, whoever is, but the name that stood out to me was Jamie Foxx. So that's the thing that got me to click on it. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's just like the, the, the way they report it is like a media tactic. But I think that... They can't like like you have to like change. You, they can't just completely change the law. Right. So it's basically like all of these things have dockets already. Right. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong, wrong Marina. It wasn't like new filings. Right. Um, some of them were. Yeah. Some of them were new filings. Like oh. the one about Mayor Adams. That was new. And the third one about P. Diddy, because there's like three cases against him now. So that third one. Like he paid off his Cassie, Cassie. He paid her off. And then these other women were like, well, hold up. That's what I'm saying. I'm feeling like it is weaponized. It really is. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to seem insensitive, but the girl Cassie, she had every, every right and she hit him. And that's good for Puff. But yeah, I'm, I think that. I think that because uh, I don't want to seem insensitive either, um, but I think that sometimes like powerful people, the only way to get them to get justice um, is to like hit their pockets. And with everything, there are going to there's cracks in everything. Right. The way our judicial system is set up the way our country is the way society is set up nothing is perfect and so you're going to have the legitimate people who have been victimized and you are going to have the people who like well girl you know they giving away you said they're giving away turkeys over there well let me go get a turkey you get what i'm saying like (laughs) right you know it's 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 going to happen it's just not perfect Yeah. yeah that's just part of the court but also I think while it's like, yeah, dang, that sucks. This is for money. These people were named. But there's a thousand people with money who were not named. You know what I'm saying? And there's a thousand people without money who weren't named. Like it says here, approximately 1,800 women claimed they were sexually abused while incarcerated in county jails and state prisons by mostly male correction officers. That's 1,800 women. I mean, what's sad about this is I was like, is that news? I always thought that was going. Like, I I always assumed that that system is, is faulty anyway. And once you're in there, God help you. I dated it. I dated a guy who told me, he said, I never met a woman who wasn't sexually assaulted in some way. And not, not that's not like brutal rape. That's not even date rape. You get what I'm saying? But in some way, I, I tried to watch just while I was getting dressed this morning, I tried to watch some new show on Hulu about a black girl in Jamaica. And first episode, it's like the guy is trying to take the, a grown ass guy trying to take the little girls. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, wow, like, all right some people gonna fall some people gonna have to some 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 even men unfortunately like i i i hate that because the consequence for a a sexual assault 
guy is is dire. It is. So for someone to have to deal with that if they're not guilty of it, it I mean that that breaks my my heart too. But I mean, Derek, hopefully this is like maybe the guys will get together as and be like, yo, we gotta, we gotta do something. We either gotta kill all the women. Or we got to stop rape or we, or we got to stop. We have to, we have to reeducate, you know, because what's, what's the solution? And you tell a very vulnerable story in your special, Zainab. Um, I don't know if that's, is it okay to, cause some people oh, yeah. may not have watched it yet, but you, can you sort of allude to that or talk about that? Like what that was like to put that very, that like you made that funny, but it was such a good moment. Yeah, like it's it, just how you said, Marie, just how you said, like so many women being sexually assaulted by guards. Um, you like, is that news? It's like the, the sad part is I'm only one kid that man took up to a roof and pulled his dick out. You know what I'm saying? I'm only one kid. I'm, I might be like a kid that survived it, you know. But the reality is that that's happening to, uh, you know, a lot of us. It's unfortunate you, you don't, and I said it casually, you know, that was very true. Like I was talking to Chloe and I just said, yeah, like when I got kidnapped, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like at this point, you know, like freaking 30 years later, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal, you know? Um, but that's unfortunate because that well, is kidnapped. a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Keith, you was at the taping. What I, I'm confused at what well, you're confused you got at. Kidnapped. Yes, I did say I got not... Wait a minute. That was not that you were going. <laughs> I willingly I I, what, I... Keith. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you you weren't kidnapped. <laughs> You were not kidnapped. She was lured with candy and sweets. <laughs> but that's but that is but that a kidnapping a, a to kidnap. a child. No, but it was that. That's but that uh, Keith. That's actually the misconception, right? The, he, just because he didn't come out, jump out of it, and grab me violently doesn't mean it wasn't a kidnapping. Just because I made it back doesn't mean it wasn't a kidnapping. In the same way that a lot of times when people think about rape, they think that it is violent. They think, but that's a that's a huge misconception. That man came to me. I didn't ask that man for help. I didn't ask him for directions. I didn't say hi to him. He came to me with his plans and his intentions, which was to take me away from where I was at and do what he wanted with me. And it just so happened that I was the kid that, you know, I, I just followed my instincts and, and got away. But if for sure... Was a kidnapping. You know, yeah. you know, it's interesting, Marina. I actually used to tell the joke as I was doing it. I used to say, you know, but it happened so fast. You can't really I don't really like to call it a kidnapping. So I, I urge anybody that gets kidnapped. If you get away quick, go to a matinee, run some errands. You get what I'm saying? So people so people could recognize it as a kidnapping. <laughs> and I thought that that was so funny. But I thought but you see how Keith is laughing. It's like I know that appeals to somebody like him who has sick humor. <laughs> But I was like, I think this is too much. Like, as I was like touring it, I was right. like, okay, people are not really finding that funny. Like they, they're not really able to kind of let loose in that way to, to really appreciate the humor in that, you know? So I had to just let it go. Yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah, I got you. Yeah, by trial. And it, you know, it's funny, you remind me, I had done a, a bit that I never finished years ago about uh, being a kid and this guy showing me his balls, but like I liked it. And I didn't know how to tell that on stage because I thought people would get so upset with me, but I was sexually curious. That's all it was. I was just a sexually curious child. So when this kid showed me his balls, I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I was just like, I was also a fast balls. I was just a fast runner too. So he was like, now show me yours. And I was out. I ran so fast. The problem was that in that neighborhood, it was mostly white neighborhood. When I re when I did tell on the kid and I was more of like my mom getting it out of me. She's like, I won't get upset with you. You know how they, they she did that to me. She's like, if you tell me what I must have had some look on my face like I had a secret. And I told her she called the police and then went to the boy's house because I must have described him. I must have known the boy. He had a twin brother. So I was confused. And I, oh, I, was, a, I was a confused black child. Okay. No, I was like seven or eight. I, it was like seven or eight. And I remember them going, is, is it him or him? And I think as a kid, I said, well, wait, wait. tell him to drop his pants so I could know. <laughs> so I know which one is which. <laughs> <laughs> you have to drop his hands. But I never, I, you know, it's true, Zainab. It's like those stories like, like that, like I was always afraid that I was going to, I think I could do it now more, but I was so appreciative of you telling that story because it is such it's so daring. It's so brave. It's, I, 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 it's but brave. It, I swear to God, I hang out. But it is, it is actually brave. And it actually is one of those stories that needs to be told from a child's perspective. Like as Zainab was telling it, I get that she's telling it also from her memory as a child. How predatory men can be Whoa. with children. And it, yeah, it was like, true. oh, my that's God. True. Yes, candy is the easiest thing. You know, you don't even think about those type of things like, you know. Uh, for some reason, I think of Zainab as even at that age being so like wise, but candy, the way you even broke that down, I was like, oh, yeah, it's like, she, you know, she, this is very easy. It's such a, it's just a great moment. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you. Moment. And um, shut up. Not in her life. I mean, as far as the act. <laughs> <laughs> I got, um, I don't know. I was in uh, first grade, and this girl was sitting next to me in school. And um, <laughs> me being, you know, a little boy, fresh little boy, whatever, five or six years old, whatever, I pulled my little thing out and waved it out. Look at this. And that little girl beat me so bad, I never had a worse beating in my life. I'm like, wow. My face is all scratched up. I went home and told my mom, she said, well, who did this to you? <sighs> Whatever the girl's name. I said, why did you do that? Because I showed her, back then they called Tommy. I showed her one Tommy. 
She said, good, now you learned your lesson. I'm like, uh-huh. But she gave me the beat. I'm, I never beat so bad by a girl in my life. So that taught me a lesson for at least four years. <laughs> but do, do you, and then do, you were back to showing your Tommy. <laughs> do you guys think that um, it like these suits are like frivolous? Like, are you against people getting justice monetarily? No, because like you said in the beginning, sometimes that's the only way to get it. But I think it's just going to lend itself to people just going after for money anyway. Like in in Philadelphia, a bus would crash, right? Turn over whatever. It only be eight people on the bus, eight. But by the time the when people run on the bus, they now act like they were hurt. So everybody was in for that money. So you go and get the access of people pretending that something happened. So I guess that's the only bad part of it. Yeah. Yes. How do you create a better system for to protect, you know, people who are coming out late and to protect the ones that are accused? How do you like it's got to just be a better system? And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I do feel like when there's more than one, like in Mr. Combs case, they were saying here because of Mr. Combs fame and success, he is an easy target for anonymous accusers who lie without conscience or consequence for financial benefit. The New York legislature surely did not intend or expect the Adult Survivors Act to be exploited by scammers. I didn't know it's going to be exploited. Yeah, but it's not they saying that. That's a statement directly from his lawyer. That's not that's not like a that's, that's not like a, a just an out there opinion. That's a lawyer. And that's the lawyer. If the if the lawyer came out and said anything different, then he wouldn't be a good lawyer. Yeah. Right, but it's the truth what they're saying now. I mean, do you agree no, with what they're saying? No, because the his statement is saying Diddy is just being exploited because he has fame and fortune. No, no, no. He's being accused because somebody believes it. He also has fame and fortune. And maybe some of the accusers are doing it because of that. But some of his accusers have been victimized. Yeah. So you can't. Yeah. I'm saying that statement that she read, like the first half of it, that is his lawyer saying that. And that is not a true statement. The second half of it, which is this uh, extension being, you know, th- that thing being exploited. Yeah, that's a real and true possibility. But the first part of that statement is just a lawyer saying what he's supposed to say about his client. Well, read that one more time, Marina. I'm because a- of Mr. Combs' fame. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the lawyer. And the lawyer actually says this complete statement is saying these are fabricated claims falsely alleging misconduct from over 30 years ago and filed at the last minute. This is nothing but a money grab. Because of Mr. Combs' fame and success, he is an easy target for anonymous accusers who lie without conscience or consequence for financial benefit. The New York legislature surely did not intend or expect the Adult Survivors Act to be exploited by scammers. The public should be skeptical and not rush to accept these bogus allegations. 
I mean, the whole statement is true. The whole statement. He didn't say, because he left it open. He left it for open interpretation. Some of these people are fraudulent. But he didn't say that. Yeah, man. No, he didn't say some. I was just pointing out that it should be very clear that that is a statement from Diddy's lawyer. Because to say that it's a statement from Diddy's lawyer does not leave it open. It contextualizes it. You know, it makes it not a fact, but a statement from the legal representation of the person that does not want to fall victim to someone lying or be held accountable for something that he may have done. However, I I think he did it. I'm I'm always skeptical of him. I've always been. I've always been. Yeah. I've always been. I've always been like, "Mm." ever since that, that, um, and I know someone said, well, he's not responsible, but I remember years ago when he held that concert, I think it was in New York and all those people got stampeded. Yeah. And, and the way, yeah, and the way they handled that, I just thought from that moment on, I was always just looking at side eyeing him. Oh, but wait, Keith, that's just, Keith, you think that if he's guilty of five and the sixth person is lying comes in, you think that matters? <laughs> yes. Why? I do. Because let's say this. Say it was a prison term, right? And go to jail. It matters how many. Say if he um, did the first one, it was only two, right? One lied and one didn't. Does that matter? Yeah, but you moved the goalpost. That definitely matters of, because. A prison sentence? Yes, yes, yes. It definitely matters because we still are dealing in probability. It does. It does. No, because it's see, no I didn't move the it's, goalpost. Yeah. You move the goalposts. It's 50, 50%. The, 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 you know, to saying it, something is a 50% possibility versus, okay, 90% of the people, it's 90% are, this is a, this is an actual fact. And it's 10%. That, that's very different than like 50, 50. That, that's not even rocket science, Keith. So to change the number to one and one, that always cancels itself out, Right. If one is saying yes and one is saying no, that cancels it out. We only, that's the reason why you, no, you play to an odd number when you play sports. No, I'm saying it matters in terms of prison sentencing. But you don't even have to add, talk about that because this is not a criminal case. These are civil cases. So to even worry about what it would mean criminally I doesn't know, but, even matter. Then that still matters. No, it matters if you lie or not. That's the whole premise. If you lie, it does matter. And that was your question. Doesn't matter if if it did five, doesn't matter if the sixth person lied? Yes. Financially, it matters. I'd say... If there's like six, five that said he did it and six, the sixth person lied, just throw the six in with it. (laughs) Because you know what? You shouldn't have done the five. 
<laughs> yeah, it's um, like what? I do want to move on to Will Smith because what? Go ahead, Zainab. If the dumb computer keeps freezing up, I do want to go on to the Wait Will minute, Smith conversation. One thing, okay, okay, go ahead. One thing I want to ask the audience: Does it matter that Twitter people have have good internet connection? <laughs> <laughs> but one of them, and that stink. <laughs> Go on, Marina Will Smith. Uh, in this case, uh, okay, let's talk about because we've been talking about this with Jada Pinkett, and you know what, Zainab, what you said a while ago when we were on the phone has been staying with me. Is why. Like you said this, I used to love Jada Pinkett. She reminds me of someone that represented me when I was growing up watching TV and watching someone on television. And now it's like every time she speaks, we want her to shut up. Uh, She has a book out. No one has really read it, but they've judged her. People I have noticed outside of just you, Zainab, who've read it, who've said the same thing. You just need to read it and you will feel better. You will feel for her. Now we have this new thing with Will Smith and um, Tasha K, YouTuber Tasha K. What is your view on this, Zainab? Like, how do you feel? Because even Cardi B hopped on Instagram Live to support Will Smith after a video, after this video blogger aired an interview with claims about Smith's sex life that the actor's reps, they called it completely fabricated as she analyzes Smith's situation. Cardi B said that, I don't like what people be doing to Will Smith. I be feeling I be feeling like Will Smith is very unproblematic and I feel like he had a nice heart. And that the things, she added, I found out that Will Smith is a Libra. <laughs> I don't know if she should be talking for it on his behalf. Libras, we be getting tired. We be getting tried. We be getting tried. And then when we outburst, we outbursts so fucking heavy that we become the ones in the wrong. We go so crazy. People be like, oh my God. She continues, y'all be doing that to Will Smith and I don't like that some people never fucking change. I'm so tired of people picking on that man. Dead ass. (laughs) Senator Cardi B. So what are, what are, I guess my question is, what are our thoughts? I'll go to you, Zainab, while your network is struggling, but I'll go to you about what are your feelings about Jada and Will right now with this whole situation? Um, well, Keith knows the guy who talked to Tasha K. He actually knows him. So I'm interested to hear how he feels. But I am one of the people who, I did not read Jada Pinkett's book. I listened to the audio, the audio version, which she narrates herself and she does a wonderful job. And I, I, I felt for her and I, I didn't feel, she said nothing disparaging about anyone actually, like nothing disparaging about Will. She was actually, um, a lot of fault is on her and it has really nothing to do with like infidelity or, It just really, it just doesn't have, she even talked about it on a breakfast club. You know, they asked her because I think Charlemagne read her book too. And he was like, why did you guys choose to do that sort of media campaign when really the topics that came out is really not what your book is about. 
And that's just a choice that they made trying to sell books. You know, I think it was a bad choice, but that's the choice that they made in the world of capitalism. You know, um, in terms of the Tasha K interview with this guy, I listened to that whole interview, too. It was very hard to get through. It's, a, it's almost two hours, but I listened to the whole thing. And actually, everything he has to say is like Jada Pinkett is the devil. The entire interview, he really does not um, speak poor. He does not attribute any of the bad, quote unquote, bad behavior on Will's part to Will. He's just like, it's Jada's fault. Every single thing, Will gay, Will a sissy, Will do this, Will do that. But it's all Jada's fault, which was very, very interesting. I don't care about like what, what he said in that interview. I hope that they do sue him and sue her because none of it is worth anything. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, Okay, even even if my friend is a closeted homosexual, even if my friend decides to be a Scientologist, if I didn't speak up about any of these things now or, or then, I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm not going to let all your secrets out the, the closet in an attempt to sell a book or get back at you or threaten you financially. I just think that that's a sucker move. And so it doesn't even matter to me if what he's saying is true or not. And what he's saying, there's no crime. He's not outing a crime. It's not a crime to be uh, to be bisexual. You know what I'm saying? It's not a but crime. It's a crime to, it's only... to the characterization, I guess. Exactly. And, and because of that, I know that that's exactly what you're trying to do. Assassinate somebody's character. And when you assassinate somebody's character, it's for nobody else except yourself. It's self-serving. So how can I appreciate the information that you're bringing when it's when it's only self-serving? Yeah. Keith? Well, I look at it as far as Jada is concerned. I don't know. I think she's an easy target for a lot of folks. Because I heard a story about her and Tommy Davidson on set or whatever. And she said, wait a minute, Tommy. Stop. She helped him out in a certain way. They showed a human part of her. She said, forget about this role I'm about to do. Go take care of your business and find out who your mom is, whatever it was. But it just was so helpful to him. He felt like he would tell that story. So I don't believe him. When everybody goes, Jada this, Jada that, da da da. It's always two people. Her and Will are together. I think they love each other. But they had some problems, like most couples do. And as far as Bilal, you know, that was just trash. And look, to me, it looked bad on him. All I've seen... Well, they sound like a guy that was hurt about not getting as much attention as he could get. Because I ain't putting, oh, Will was getting killed. Hey, come on, man. Who does that? Who does that? So I don't even blame, um, Jada don't need to be blamed on this. She don't even have to be on this. The thing about it is, Bilal, 
was the bad guy in this whole situation. You know. And he's and Tasha, it, it looks like there's lawsuits coming now. Well, she was the instigator. You know. Yep. But yeah, but I, I don't know if you can sue. Can you sue? Well, Cardi B won her suit against her. Car- Cardi she B won said her something suit. about Cardi. Because she says something about Cardi B, but she says she doesn't say anything about them. She really asks questions. And she asked questions given what he's saying. So like, if he's like, um, you know, and I saw Will Smith having sex, Will Smith and Dwayne Martin having sex. She's like, what do you mean having sex? Like, um, like, so they was having sex on the couch, but she's not saying anything. And since she lost the judgment that Cardi B brought against her now on her page and under every video and at the end of every video, she is very clear these opinions are just opinions. These, you know what I'm saying? Like legally, she has the language in place now to uh, try to cover her behind. Oh, I should do that too. But it's all on him now. You know, yapping. So I, I think that um, people start are starting to feel sorry for Will now. That's the thing I'm noticing. It's like. It's sort of starting to turn where people were like demonizing him from slapping Chris Rock to now going, oh. I don't think they were demonizing him. I felt like they kind of. A lot of women were like, protect black women. (laughs) Well, in our circles. But for the most part, people were demonizing Will for that slap. I mean, he got he can't go to an Oscar's. For how many years? Was it 10 years or something like that? Or is it indefinitely? Like it really should be if Chris decides to attend and you can't come. That's really what it should be. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to get this in. Waning enthusiasm from black voters presents an inf- inflection point for Biden's campaign. Now, Keith, you and I have been talking about this. A new NBC News poll indicating 20% of black voters would consider voting for Donald Trump if the presidential election were held today. And just so you know, in 2020, 12% of black voters sided with Trump. So that's that. Well, how many was black men? It doesn't say. It just says black voters. And mostly black men. Most for Trump. Black women know better. And those dum-dums. There's a lot of people who really don't know how politics works. And they need to be educated how it works. So they, a lot of them are saying, oh, Biden hasn't done nothing for black people. Man, come on. What do you want to do? Come buy your sneakers? You know what I mean? It's like, he, he Biden has done a hell of a job. Real, like, is all you got to do is Google it. The money he's gave the HBCUs. Um, he put something out there for the black farmers, but Rand Paul sued, and they took that away. So, and a lot of people go, well, black people, you know, they only vote for the Democrats on you know, the slave thing. Well, we would vote for the Republicans, but they ain't messing with us right now. 
that didn't mess with us at all. And things going back, they're turning back, you know? Ever since um, Trump put in um, the Supreme Court, he had three Supreme Court picks. Affirmative action is gone. Uh, Roe versus Wade is gone. You know, it's just, we're going backwards. So why vote for Trump? To continue to go backwards? That's dumb. It says Trump, oddly enough, has a certain appeal because of the cases currently against him. This is with black male voters. They have given him some form of popularity among young black voters, particularly young black men who see themselves as often being targeted by the criminal justice system, over criminalized and over sentenced. This is uh, by Hector. Yeah, uneducated um, black men, period. What do you think, Zena? I think I, I agree with you. I think that. Um, I think it's probably like an ill-informed or uninformed choice to think that Trump is a better choice than Biden. I will be honest. I am not inspired by or motivated or excited about um, about President Biden. I do think that like the Obama effect is like, you know, I remember being excited. And so the, the so. Young people might feel like every election they're supposed to be excited about the candidates, you know, and I think that's maybe like a misconception. But if I just have to choose, if my only choices are uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump, then I'm definitely going with Biden for the exact reasons that you said, um, Keith. Is it Trump? He un, he undid, he unraveled a lot of things that should not have been unraveled. He is detrimental. And while Biden might not be moving at a pace uh, that is fast enough for everyone or not going far enough for everyone to appreciate it, I'd rather go a little bit further than drastically uh, backwards. Well, I mean, Biden has got Kamala Harris, first black vice president, Katanya Brown Jackson, first black um, Supreme, Supreme Court, Court. Um, mm-hmm. a defense, mm-hmm. black defense. There's so many black people that Biden has put in place, and we're still complaining. He's going. He's done better than all other presidents. But we look at Republicans put out a narrative and we follow it. Well, I think it's just because they just have better messaging. And it really sucks. You know, it's like the same way as we just talked about. We just talked about Jada Pinkett's book. It's like, oh, you say something this, you say something about Tupac and Will Smith. That's going to sell your book. You talking about most of the book is her self-love and an ayahuasca journey and her trying to drop. If you would have told that the people ain't going and buying that book. So I think right. Republicans, they right. just have right. they just have better yeah, messaging. Right. It's sad that divisiveness is better messaging. This is what I'm starting to see across the board. Like I remember when we were sitting at the cellar and the argument was going on 
amongst us, black folks, black comedians at the table about Trump. I remember a white comedian sitting next to me and saying, you know, I love this, right? This is what Trump has done. This is what's so great about Trump. I go, no, no, this is what's so bad. But you're right. That's what's working. That is what is working. And sadly, we don't get it. We're never going to get that. Divisiveness is not going to make this country great again. It's just never going to happen. But you can just look at the results. That's all you have to do. Like I said, affirmative action down. You know, women's choice gone. Uh, the school stuff. The Supreme Court struck that down. Oh, you're talking about student loan debt? Yes. However, and Biden you know fixed it. Biden did navigate that. He's navigated every situation. Every state has navigated around these laws, even with the student loans. Like, I'm not paying my student loans right now because of what Biden did but by creating the Save, Save Act, which is if you have a certain amount of money, there's a I don't have the number, but there's a number of individuals who now don't have to pay their student loans back. I know. Can now start working towards generational wealth. Can now put some money towards a home. Well, people don't know all that. They just, yeah, yeah, I'm not both fine. They call him Genocide Joe now. He's not the president of Israel. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But they like call them genocide Joe, and a lot of times the people on social media be Trump supporters putting out stuff like they're black. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, he's got a great social media team. So we get we get fooled so many ways. I'm not enthused about him. You don't need to be. Look at what he's done. That's all you have to do. You can Google it. You can do your research. Trump gave tax cuts to the rich. But that's the thing, Keith. That's why, you know, if it bleeds, it leads like that, that phrase, because people aren't doing the research, you know, like people, people aren't doing the research at all. And so if you are not getting them in those 30 second videos or in those, in those, you know, in those funny phrases, if you not, if you can't come up with something clever like genocide, Joe, which is really ridiculous because if anybody thinks that if Trump was in office, he would have called a ceasefire. That's ridiculous. He would have never done that. Right. But that's what people latch on to very quick, easy consumption. And a person that know it's like knowing your consumer, right? You can have a great product, but it's like, how do I get this product out to the people? And I think that that is the biggest divide in terms of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party and what they do to do. Just like you're saying, the fact that they are going to create pages to appear to be one thing all to spew a certain type of message, you know, where, you know, we still with Michelle talking about when they go low, we go high. But they're like, no, we're going to go lower and lower works. Yeah, lower and lower does work. So I want to thank you all. This has been an amazing conversation, a great episode that I'm sure that will be shared by many. Thank you so much, Keith, for returning to Friends Like Us and being a good friend today. Thank you. 
We really appreciate and honor your participation. Oh, that sound like she sound like Trump. <laughs> she sounds like Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> but we do. We have to get out. Uh, we have to leave it there. Uh, Zainab, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me on social media. It's my name, Zainab Johnson. You can subscribe to any one of my social media platforms. I'm on all of them. You can check out my website to know if I'm coming to a city near you. It's ZainabJohnson.com. You can watch my special, which is available right now on Amazon on Prime Video. It's called Hijabs Off. And with friends like us, you can want to punch a nurse in the face. (laughs) I like it. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) Keith, can you tell our listeners where they can find you, the taping of your special, the date? Oh, okay. Well, December 19th, Sony Music Hall. 7 o'clock and 9.30 shows. Get the damn tickets. And when friends like us, I can get on a stage. <laughs> That's it. That's great. And Mar- <laughs> thank you. And Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. I will also be at the City Winery in New York City on December 16th. And with friends like us, you can have a great conversation with friends, even if one's Wi-Fi is struggling. <laughs> <laughs> Check, Check us out. Check us out.